Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right. It's the Sunday evening, and we're going to attempt to conclude this third Sunday of Advent with getting as far as we can in this study on rejoicing. That's just, we're going to attempt. I don't know how far we can get, all right? So I'm not, I'm not going to go back and do a long, extensive review. Uh, basically, you know what we're doing. The, the readings for today, at least most of them, emphasized rejoicing to some level. The gospel reading, we still don't really know why that's there. We'd have to spend some time working on it, but okay. Uh, and so from that, and because it is what, what is the third Sunday of Advent called? God Dad T Sunday, which means... Rejoice, right? So if it means rejoice, then that means the emphasis on this Sunday is rejoicing. And when you look at the key principles of Advent, one of them is joy. So it just all fits together. So then why not use the third Sunday of Advent to engage in a topical study on the subject of rejoicing? So I've put forth my kind of a, a hypothesis that if we make rejoicing specifically about what God does for us in the here and now in a, in a tangible way, there's some good to that, right? Because it makes us real. It makes us focus on what God has done for us. It makes us acknowledge that God is the source of it. So it keeps our focus there. There's a lot of positive there, but the negative is there's going to be times where that's not going to work the way we want it to work. And then what do we do? So I'm trying to find scripturally a good example of rejoicing when it doesn't work out. And we thought we had, or at least I thought we had one briefly. And 1 Samuel, that clearly I was wrong, okay, because I was like, yes, this is it. And they're like, no, it's not, it's not. Because she was rejoicing because she got what she wanted. So I'm like, ah, so that's not perfect. So we've been working through it. We've, We've learned some lessons. I gave everyone an assignment to write down five tangible things. That God has, that you are going to rejoice for, that you have, and to rejoice in it. Because I do think there's tangible benefits in doing that. So we talked about that. We talked about a lot of other issues. And we started working through the Bible. We looked at the first reference and the last reference. The first one was in Exodus. The last one's in Revelation. We looked at the first and last. There were some good things. We started finding some Hebrew and Greek definitions. That was somewhat beneficial. But for the most part, it just emphasizes the emotion of the rejoicing and the joy, and being glad. Um, and then we started working through, and we made it all the way to First Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Wow, we were moving this morning, weren't we? Okay, Second Chronicles. And what? where did we stop? Second Chronicles. So everyone opens their Bible, Second Chronicles, 
We're going to see how far we can get tonight. I know that's like a very, 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 not much of a review, but that's the only way we're going to pull this off, right? I think so. That's, that's going to be my theory. It's the only way we're going to pull it off. So here we go. Hopefully I don't mess up my microphone. All right, there we go. All right, Second Chronicles chapter 6. And what verse did we stop in? 41. And it says, 2 Chronicles 6, 41, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark uh, of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let the saints rejoice in goodness. All right? We talked a little bit about that this morning, but we will proceed. What's next? 2 Chronicles 15, 15. 2 Chronicles 15, 15. Right? Second uh, Chronicles fifteen fifteen. All right. I'm looking for. Oh, there it is. Okay. I was like, I don't see the word rejoice. Okay, there it is. Second Chronicles fifteen fifteen. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. So why are they rejoicing at the? What oath are they rejoicing at? They had entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Everybody see that? Okay. Now, oh, we could we could do a lesson right here. Could we not, right? They enter into this covenant. They're all rejoicing over it. Yeah, for about two seconds, okay? So this is, from a spiritual standpoint, I don't know if we can draw a major lesson from this, but we do have to realize sometimes, sometimes we can be rejoicing over something and we're, we haven't really thought it through. We really maybe, maybe you know, but it, sometimes our re, rejoicing can be in the wrong thing, wrong time. We haven't really given it thought, right? You can be rejoicing in something and it's not quite what you want it to be. I, we all, I think, can all, like, I mean, it's almost the end of a year. And, you know, a lot of people will make spiritual goals and physical goals and health goals and financial goals and reading goals and educational goals, work go- all these goals. And you may rejoice when you make those goals and you're all excited. And then you're not so much rejoicing later on. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So then, like, so I think sometimes our rejoicing can only be for a short amount of time. We, we, there's a lot of probably things we could go there. All right, what's the next one? Second Chronicles 20. 27. What do we find here? Second Chronicles 20, 27. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat and the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord hath made them to rejoice over their enemies. Now, once again, this is rejoicing over something specific that God had done. And and look, at this point, my hypotheses of trying to find something to rejoice in other than what God tangibly does has not been so beneficial as of yet. But I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope because, man, man, what would we do? Let's just, just, just throw a hypothetical into this. Let's just throw a hypothetical hypothetically, if we make it all the way to Revelation and 99.9% of every reference of rejoicing is rejoicing in God for specific things he does for us in the here and now, 
Would that impact your view of rejoicing in any way, shape, or form? Would it have some kind of theological implications for you? It may have more theological implications for me than for you. Okay, but Bobby says none. Okay, okay, all right, we're saying, for me, it would just, I would, I mean, I look, I understand that I should rejoice over what God does tangibly, and I understand that means I should be giving him thanks, and I understand there's benefits from it, but I just feel like that kind of rejoicing can lead to very detrimental things spiritually, because when it doesn't work out, what do you do? But maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Sarah's going to hold out hope, so... I tend to be more, right now I'm getting really nervous, but we'll see. All right, what was the next reference? Second Chronicles 23, 13. What do we find here? Okay, Second Chronicles 23, 13. And she looked, oh, we read, yeah, we, we read about this. And behold, the king stood at his pillar at the entering in, and the princes and the trumpets by the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded with trumpets, also the singers uh, with instruments of music and such as taught to sing praises. All right, so we get the same, kind of the same concept here. What, what are they rejoicing over here? Because someone has been made king, right? I don't want to get into all the story and, because then we'll... Yeah, she, yeah, she's not... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's, she's nuts. Okay, I think that's a good way of putting it. But I don't want to get into the story. But the point is, it's, it's still something tangible. Still the same kind of concept, same kind of concept. All right, next, verse 18. And Jehoiada appointed the offices of the house of the Lord by the hand of the priest of the Levites, whom David had dis- distributed in the house of the Lord, to offer the burnt offerings of the Lord as it is written in the law of Moses with rejoicing and with singing as it was ordained by David. Now we could get there that in a sense our worship, our sacrifice is to be offered with rejoicing. And that kind of fits to the New Testament about being a cheerful giver. We should be able to work in giving or sacrificing, especially in, in worship, it should be done with rejoicing. Okay, that's a, that's, that may be kind of the first time we kind of get a little different kind of perspective, right? That's kind of a unique one, right? That, I, that, I, that in my worship to God, it's to be done with rejoicing. I, I, I think that's interesting. Now, it's kind of being told to do that, but all right. Next, uh, that's twenty three twenty one. And all the people of the land rejoiced. And because, what's her name? What's her name? Athaliah, Athaliah, however you say her name. She was killed. So they're rejoicing because she's killed. Right? So, yeah. Now we get into a whole ethical thing there, right? Is there a time to rejoice over the destruction of your enemy? Or is it, yeah, I mean, we can get into a whole conversation there. Yeah, yeah, definitely did that a lot in the Old Testament. No question. All right, next, 2410, Second um, Chronicles 2410, and all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. Now this is, what's the context here? Yeah, the temple, because it had been broken down, right? Because the sons of, what's her name? How do you say her name? Athaliah, is that her? Yeah, Athaliah. Yeah, the look at verse seven. For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman had broken up the house of God, and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam, 
And at the king's command, they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. Right. So you can see they, they are rejoicing and giving, which again, it's kind of a rejoicing and giving and sacrificing and worship kind of concept. Everybody, everybody got that? Okay, next. 2936. I hate, the only thing with doing this is sometimes you kind of just move quickly and you don't have time to dig into these stories, but all right. They always offer, you know, maybe that's someone we should do a, like a biographical study on sometime. All right, that could be fun. All right, so let me remember that. All right, uh, 2936. And Hezekiah rejoiced, and all the people that God had prepared, uh, and Hezekiah rejoiced, and all the people that God had prepared the people for the things was done suddenly. Now, what are they rejoicing over here? Yeah, so, there were, once again, this is kind of rejoicing connected to worship, sacrifice, giving. Right? So, I think, I think it's kind of taken a little turn now, right? I'm rejoicing in... Worship, I'm rejoicing in giving. I'm rejoicing in my own sacrifice. That's kind of a unique approach um, to, to it, considering what we've seen so far. All right, next. 3025. What do we have here? Chapter 30, verse 25. And all the congregation of Judah with the priests and the Levites and all the congregation that came out of Israel and the strangers that came out of the land of Israel uh, at and that dwelt in Judah rejoiced. And what are they rejoicing over here? We have context here. Yeah, this is a feast, right? Of great, great feast and great offerings, right? Look at verse 24 of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did give to the congregation a thousand bullocks, 7,000 sheep. The princes gave to the congregation a thousand bullocks, and 10,000 sheep and a great number of priests sanctified themselves, right? So this is a time of worship, a time of sacrifice, time of giving, and a time of rejoicing. So worship, you could think of it this way. It seems, or at least we're getting a hint, worship, sacrifice, and giving was accompanied by rejoicing. I think that the, that's a pretty, that's probably maybe a, a, a very important part. Because we all know we can come to church not rejoicing, right? We can give money, not rejoicing. We can sacrifice to do something good and not do it rejoicing. Do it grudgingly, out of necessity, out of requirement. So there, there, there's probably a lesson in all of that. All right, next. Nehemiah. All right. Oh, we're skipping books. Okay. Okay, Nehemiah 12, 12.43, same concept, and look at 12.43, and that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy, the wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off, All right, so I think, I think we're, this is maybe one of the most practical lessons, so let's focus on that again, worship. Sacrifice and giving is to be accompanied with rejoicing. I think that's very important. Put it this way. If you worship, if you sacrifice and you give and you're not rejoicing, then most likely what emotion is accompanying it? Burden, necessity, grudgingly, 
And in the New Testament, it talks about being a cheerful giver. So we're really going to emphasize that tonight because that's, we're developing a practical lesson here. That's, see, that's why you do a topical study because I don't know if we would have approached that part of it, but now this is an interesting part that may be more important than anything else we've looked at so far because now we're, we're getting a different kind of perspective. All right, next. Um, okay, that, the verse we just read was 43, right? 44, okay. And uh, at that time were some appointed over the chambers of the treasures for the offerings and for the first fruits and for the tithe to gather into them out of the fields of the cities the portions of the law of the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. And both singers and porters, you're getting the idea. Okay, so that's, that's good. same concept. All right, next. Esther 8.15. Oh, it's a new, it's a new word. All right. Okay. Uh, Esther 8.15 and Mordecai went out from the presence of the king and roll apparel of blue and white and with great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. Uh, It's a new Hebrew word. So let's look it up really quick. All right. Let's look at this one. If I can find my. Uh, interlinear here, all right? That was Esther, chapter 8, verse 15. Thank you very much. What is this Hebrew word? This Hebrew word is this. Everybody ready? Here we go. Strong's H, 6670. Sahel. Sahel. Sahel, and it is used nine times. Cry aloud, bellow, neighed, cry out, rejoiced, shine. It's only translated rejoice one time. Shine, shout, lift up. Strong's definition, be cheerful by transference to sound clear of, of various animals or human expressions. Bellow, cry aloud, lift up, nigh, rejoice, make to shine, shout. Um... It, it doesn't really give the gladness part. It's almost more of a, the sound. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a, yeah, the, the sound of it more than anything else. All right, so that doesn't do a lot for us, but okay. Next. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. This, is this my chance? Is this it? Job 3.22. Oh, boy. Now, before we do anything, whenever you get to the book of Job, what do we have to be very careful of? Okay, we have to identify the speaker, right? Because a lot of times the people love to go to Job and preach sermons, and it's like, that's one, of, that's one of his friends who are saying all kinds of false things. Like, how are you turning that into a sermon? Okay, so this is Job speaking. Does everyone agree with that? Look at verse 1. After this, open Job his mouth, and, well, the King James says, cursed his day, right? He's not happy. Now we can understand, right? Now, what, what verse? 22. Which rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. We probably need to go back, right? Get a little context. Where should we go back to? What do you think? What? Okay, 18. They are prisoners, rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. 
The small and great are there, and the servant is free from his master. Yeah, light is given to him that he is in misery and life unto the bitter in soul, which long for death. Okay, do we, should we go all the way back to 11? Do we need, do, what do you think? Y'all look at it. All right, yeah. People who are in a bad situation, they rejoice when they die. <laughs> okay, right. I think that's the context, right? Hey, yeah, yeah well, I, wh- when, when do you rejoice when things are bad? Well, sometimes your rejoicing is when the bad things end. And when do the bad things sometime end? And die. So, and, and a lot of people would say, how dare, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you were to take some of the words that Job says here and say it amongst some Christians, they would rebuke you, say you have no faith, it's ungodly, but I cannot, when Job speaks this way, what do we call it? There's a very important word for it, and they show up a couple of places. They show up in the Psalms. Okay. Well, we're going to use the word lament. A lament. All right? And I've done a lot of podcasts about laments. And I typically refer to a lament as basically it's a spiritual cry. It's a spiritual scream. And I think lament is very important for spiritual growth, right? Because typically you're not told to do, typically in the church, no, 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 no. You need to speak what kind of words? Positive words, words of faith, words of affirmation. You need to speak it into existence kind of concept, right? Even if they don't go that far, it's very similar to it, right? You don't say negative things. Even people who aren't Christians will fall into that because I used to do it all the time at work, right? I, I would get ready to leave for work and I'm like, man, I hope I get hit by a car on the way out in the parking lot while I have to come back this afternoon or I hope I have a seizure or I hope I die, right? And people are like, oh, what? why did you say that? Oh my goodness. And I'm like, it, it's not going to make it happen, people, right? I can't speak it into existence because if I was speaking it into existence, I would say, I'm going to win the lottery even though I'm not playing it and be a, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, so just stop it. Okay. But the point is, people are very nervous about that. I'm saying when you feel it, you say it. Right? Maybe there's a right time and an appropriate time when to say it, but you say it. Because if you don't, it, it's a spiritual scream to God where you're like, God, here's how I feel. Because if you're not going to say it, then you, you're, you're spending all this time pretending. And the pretending only lasts for so long. And then you become bitter. You, you'll, 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 th- you'll, you'll deconstruct. You'll throw Christianity up. You have to have a time where you can. And what is Job saying here? Hey, you rejoice when you find the grave because your suffering comes to an end. And you know what? That's okay to say. He wishes he was never born. He wishes he was dead. It's okay to say that. And I'm sick of the church telling people it's not okay to say that. It's okay to say it because people in the Bible said it. Because it's being honest. Look, uh, you can't have a relationship with God if there's no honesty with it, right? And God already knows what you feel anyway. So scream and let it out. Maybe there's an appropriate place and time, but do so. Now, Now, please note here, I don't know what we're getting ready to find in the rest of Job, But please note, the first time rejoicing is mentioned in Job 
It's not rejoicing in God. It's rejoicing and possibly dying, okay? So just, I, th- I like that. I like that because it's real, right? I like, sometimes the Bible is far more real than Christians. And I like the realness of it. And, and my, that's how I feel about it. All right, next. Okay, Job 8.21. Do we get a change here? Oh, we have Bildad speaking. Oh, boy. All right, what does he say? Job 8.21, till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. Now, behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoer, till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. Basically, it almost is the idea, you'll laugh and rejoice if you're what? This is the way I'm reading it. I could be wrong. If you're good... Oh, it's a new word. Oh, boy, we have a new word. Okay, let's look at this one. New word. Okay, a shout of joy is basically... I'll, I'll, I'll look it up really quick just so people online can hear it um, because I did give this as an assignment for the Bible study exercise, so I'm helping everyone out doing most of the work. All right. Uh, with rejoicing, it's this Hebrew word. Here we go. Strong's H8643. Teruah, 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 and it means shout, shouting, alarm, sound, blowing, joy. Um, that's weird. Wait, it's similar to the last one, but this is weird. Um, yeah, they're different words, but what's weird here is when it shows how they're translated, it doesn't have rejoicing. Hang on. Did I do something wrong here? Or okay. Okay, that's verse 21, right? Yeah, but I'm saying when you... No, I'm looking, it says KJV translation. It shows all the different ways it's translated. It shows it's translated 11 times shout, 8 times shouting, 6 times alarm, 3 times sound. It doesn't have rejoicing there. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So, but this is more just giving the idea that it's a, a loud shout. But what, what's kind of Bildad, though, the, the lesson to get from Bildad is he's carrying a basic concept that still shows up in the minds of many Christians. If you're doing good, then you're going to be filled with rejoicing and joy. And if you're doing bad, bad things are going to happen and you're not going to have joy or laughing. And that is a theological error of massive proportion. Does everyone understand that, right? That is, that is not biblical. You can do good and suffer. Okay? And you can do bad and prosper. So, we, 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 we don't like Bill Dad. All right, next. Okay. Another new Hebrew word, Job 20, 18. Who's speaking? We have Zophar. All right, this is 2018. That which he labored for shall he restore and shall not swallow it down according to his substance shall the restitution be and he shall not rejoice therein. What is going on here? This is talking about the wicked man, is he not? If you go back to 12, though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, 
though he spare it and forsake it not, but keep it still within his mouth. Yet his meat and his bowels is turned. It is the gall of asp within him. In other words, hey, if you're the wicked person, even your food is going to taste bad kind of concept, right? He hath swallowed down riches and he shall vomit them up against God uh, again. God shall ca- uh, cast them out of his belly. He shall suck the poison of asp. The uh, viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, thy brooks of honey and butter. That which he labored for shall he, uh, shall he restore and shall not swallow it down. According to the substance shall the restitution be and he shall not rejoice therein. Seemingly basic idea is what? Once again. If, there's, if you're wicked, there's no rejoicing. And we already know that's patently not true. We just know it's not true. It's not true. A lot of, a lot of wicked people rejoice. A lot of godly Like, it's just, oh, that's just, that's, that's my mind. Do we need to look up that Hebrew word? We probably do. It's a different one. Okay, hang on. That's, a, that's Job 20, 2018. Let's look at it. And where is it? He shall rejoice. And it is this one. Strong's H5965. Alas. 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 Rejoice. One time it's translated peacock. That's interesting. (laughs) One time solace. Okay. Yeah, it's to leap for joy. I like like the uh, outline of biblical usage. To flap joyously. Okay, no. woohoo! Like, all right, that's that's really having a good time. All right, but it, it doesn't really help us. Other than once again, we do realize that sometimes the religious people who come along, uh, their attitude is, well, if you're doing right, then everything in your life is right, and if you do bad, then I'm just ugh, 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 ugh. I, ugh. makes me mad reading the book of Job. All right, next, twenty-one twelve. Who's talking? Job. Oh. What is Job going to say? They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. So, verse 7, Wherefore do the wicked live? Wherefore do the wicked live? Become old, yea, are mighty in power. Their seed is established and their sight with them and their offspring before. He's arguing against it. He's saying what? The wicked things go good for the wicked. (laughs) They rejoice. So he's making an argument against it, all right? Which is just crazy. Isn't it crazy that we have an entire book dealing with that issue and the modern church is like oblivious to this book? I don't get that. I don't understand how the church can... I think there's... You know what I think it is? And I, I'm going to get a little off track here, but I, I say all the time that our sinful nature is law-based. And when you have a law-based mentality, what does a law-based mentality say? When you do good, you get good. And when you do bad, you get bad. We have a, such a law, and we, are, are, we have such a law-based mind that it rewrites biblical theology. All right, now, okay. So, next. 31.25. Who's talking? Yeah, Job, he continues... Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I made a covenant with my eyes. Hey, it's Job, it's Job. All right, 3125. If I rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand had gotten much, 
Now, what is he saying here? Let's try to, let's try to figure out his argument here. All right? He's doing a lot of if I, if I. You seeing all these if I's? All right? If I, so if we go to verse 21, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw help in the gate, then let my arm fall from my shoulder blade and my arm be broken from the bone for the destruction from God was a terror to me and by reason of his highness, I could not endure. If I made gold my hope or have said to the fine gold, thou art my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great and because mine hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined or the moon walking in brightness and my heart hath been secretly enticed or my mouth hath kissed my hand, this also were an iniquity to be punished uh, by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me or lifted up myself when evil. So what he's saying, if I've done any of these things, if I've done any of these things, then, there, then maybe there should be some negative consequences. In some ways, he's kind of justifying himself a little bit. He's not done a lot of the things that he's been accused of. I think that's kind of the idea here. And if I have then I deserve, I deserve it, right? So the first rejoice was, which verse? Uh, verse 25, if I rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand had gotten so much, in other words, if I start rejoicing in my wealth instead of God, all right? And then uh, the other rejoicing was, if I rejoice at the destruction of him that hated me um, or lifted up myself when evil found me, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. Right? So, hey, if I've done this, right, you're getting the basic idea. All right? Anything else? I don't think there's anything else in that chapter. Next. Of Job? Oh, we go backwards? Oh, 39.21. Okay. All right. I was like, wait, well, I'm confused. All right. 39.21. That's all good. It's all good. It's all good. 39.21. We're good. All right, here we go. Um, God is speaking. 39.21. He paweth in the... Okay, I'm going to go verse 20. Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his... Okay, all right. Uh, Let's go to 19. Hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? He's asking Job, have you done this? Have you done this for this animal? Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley and rejoiced in his strength. He goeth on to meet the armed men. So he's just talking about the horse, basically telling Job, you, you haven't done any of this for any of this, so be quiet. All right, next. All right, we finished Job. Job didn't really help us, did it? Ah, we, I so wanted it. All right, 211. All right, Psalm 2. There's, is there a lot in this book of Psalms? I'm thinking this is going to be like the go-to maybe, all right? I, I think, all right, Psalms may be the book. Maybe, well, maybe by the time we're done with Psalms, we're going to get a pretty good idea what the Bible has to say about rejoicing. That's going to be my estimation. Do, do you feel I'm right or am I wrong here? We'll see, all right? Psalm 211, let's move quickly. What? Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Isn't that a weird phrase? Rejoice with trembling? Oh, it's a new it's a new Hebrew word. Oh, hang on, we got a new Hebrew word. Right, hang on. Psalm two eleven. 
Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we've we, we've had this one. Okay, yeah, all right. Um, why do you think it says rejoice with trembling? What's the Hebrew word for trembling there? Ah, uh, right. So, trembling fear. Let's say that again. So it's a rejoicing with fear. So is that a re- I'm rejoicing, I'm rejoicing, but I, because well, the context there is a, he's rejoicing. Serve the Lord with fear. See, there's the fear part and rejoice with trembling. But the rejoicing is, so I think, I think it's the idea that you are, and I could be wrong here, that this is pure speculation, pure speculation, so nobody walk away here. But my thinking is, just as, this is just in, in real time, the whole concept here is to see the greatness of God because everyone else has rebelled against him. We should serve him. There should be fear here. And that even in our rejoicing, it's not a rejoicing in a a way that shows disrespect or doesn't show reverence. It's a reverent rejoicing instead of an unreverent rejoicing. Does that seem to work? Do you think that works? Rejoice with trembling because we serve him with fear, but even in our rejoicing, there's a, there's a reverence, there's a respect, right? Because you could rejoice in a very disrespectful way, I think. That, I, I, that's the way I'm going to go. That, that's an interesting phrase, all right? Next. 5.11, Psalm 5.11, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Now, this is the idea that trusting in God, are you ready for this? This is maybe a, a, its own unique principle that we're developing here. Trusting in God is connected with rejoicing. So tonight, we've taken worship, sacrifice, and giving, and it's associated with rejoicing. And trusting in God is associated with rejoicing. So we worship, sacrifice, give that which you know, is directed towards God. We should do it with rejoicing. But, but when we trust in him, there should be rejoicing that comes from our trust in him. All right, next. Chapter 9 or 92? 9. Okay, chapter 9, verse 2. Here we go. I'm going to go to verse 1 first. Chapter 9, verse 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Now, there's the rejoice in thee again. Oh, it's a new word. It's a new word. Okay, hang on, hang on. Let's look up the new word first. Let's look up the new word. We have a new Greek word. All right. Some, or Greek word. Hebrew word. I apologize. Interlinear. Oh, we have used it. Okay, it's the third time. All right. Okay, good. But thank you for checking. No, no, no. Thank you for checking. Right. Same word Anna used. All right. So, new word. Context here. Let's think this through. Um, once again, we have the rejoicing in, law, in God, right? 
which is a key phrase. Up to this point, the rejoicing in God has clearly been associated in the Old Testament with what idea? I'm rejoicing in him for what he has done for me. This may somewhat carry the same connotation, possibly, right? Because I will praise thee and I'm going to show your works. And then he says, and I will be glad and rejoice. I will sing praises. And then look immediately what he starts focusing on. What God has done for him. Everybody see that? Is everybody in agreement with that? All right. So, in my mind, in my mind, before we started this, when I would see the phrase rejoice in the Lord... I would, have, I would have argued, at least my presupposition would have been, I'm rejoicing in God, I'm not rejoicing on what God has done for me, because if I just rejoice in God for who he is, and then, then that transcends circumstance. But so far, the rejoicing in God is, has everything to do with what God does in circumstance. So that, that my hypothesis is literally melting before our very eyes. All right, next. Chapter 9, verse 14, that I might show forth all thy praises and the gates of the daughter. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Now, right there, you could preach a sermon right there, right? Rejoice in thy salvation. You're like, hey, hey, you figured it out. This is it. This is not rejoicing on what God has done for us in a practical way. This is rejoicing on what God has done for us spiritually. Do you think salvation there is referencing spiritual salvation or do you think it's referencing a physical salvation about being saved from the destruction or attack of enemies? What do you think? 914? What do y'all think? Yeah, it's all about enemies. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not a spiritual salvation. That's 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 physical salvation from physical enemies. Okay, so that does not help us in any way, shape, or form. Actually, it argues through the other perspective. All right, next, thirteen four Psalm thirteen four. We're we're flying. We're fl- we're going so fast. All right, lest <laughs> do what. I know. Psalm 13, 4. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. So he's basically asking God to be with him so that his enemies don't rejoice. All right? Okay. Next verse. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Now, see, a part of me wants to say, oh, it's spiritual, but once again, he's referencing his enemies, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, 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 once again, salvation is a physical salvation. All right, next. 14.7. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. Once again, it's rejoicing in what? Being delivered from your enemies, being restored. All right, next. Psalm 16, 9, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoice. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Now why is he rejoicing here?
do we look at verse one? Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul has said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth to thee. Uh, but to the saints which are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom all my delight, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink of offerings of blood will I not offer, nor do I take their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in a pleasant places. Yea, I have goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reigns also instructed me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh uh, also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave uh, thy soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption, typically seen as the messianic prophecy. Thou wilt show me the path of life and the presence of fullness uh, of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. That, there may be a little bit more spiritual aspect here. What do you think? What do you think? More spiritual than practical? I think this may be our first hope. Right? I'm going to put this one down as our first possible going in that direction. All right, next. Yeah, I think it's a... Right. Right. So it, obviously the psalmist likes this Hebrew word, right. All right, Next. Nineteen five and nineteen eight. All right, here we go. Psalm nineteen five. Now this is referencing uh, creation, and then it says, "Which uh, look if you, I'll just, I'm going to start in verse one. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth. Their words to the end of the world, and them." Uh, hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. And what was the next verse? Verse eight. So that just speaks of creation, kind of using it in a poetic way. And then, but this one is important. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. Now here we go. Now we have a new thing that we can add. We still haven't got too far, but tonight we've seen that worship Giving and sacrifice should be associated with rejoicing. Trusting in the Lord should bring rejoicing and God's statutes or his word should bring rejoicing. God's word should bring rejoicing. It should. Now, the question should be when it doesn't. Because in reality, when we are down, discouraged, depressed, frustrated, whatever, tip at what... Theologically, we would say it is God's word that brings rejoicing. It's God's word that brings joy. But I don't know if it always does that. And we would have to ask ourselves why it does it. It would have to be something in us, not something in it. So that would be a a question. All right, let's go one more. Chapter 20, verse 5. Ooh, is is this what we want? Is this what we want? Let's go back to verse 1. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defendeth thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt, uh, sacrifices, Selah. 
Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, will we set up our banners. Uh, the Lord fulfill thy portion, uh, our petitions. Uh, and now know I, the Lord, saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So I think, once again, this is dealing more with a physical deliverance and salvation. So I was hoping we were getting close. All right. Um, what time? Yeah, okay. Okay. And is there another one close by? The next one? Where's the next one at? 21-1? The king, yeah, that's close. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Now, this is rejoicing what? And God's attributes. This is a new principle to put down. God's attributes. We should learn to rejoice in his, Which attribute is he rejoicing in? His omnipotence, right? That's what we would typically refer to that as, right? We should rejoice in his attributes. That's a, that's a good theological lesson. Because why is that important? Now, we could, now you see where this could, we, we could lead this. I rejoice in his attributes because his attributes do things for me practically. Right, so, yeah, it, it, may, it still may end up in the right, right place. But I, I'm trying to remove it from that. Okay, well, there we're going to have to stop because uh, of time. But, so, that gets us to, where are we stopping? Psalm 21. One. All right. Now, here's the thing. For those listening online, participating in the Bible study exercise, you've got the rest of you've got the rest to do. Um, I don't know if we'll, we will come back to any more here, um, especially with the way things are going to go. People out of town traveling. It's going to be iffy the next uh, little while. So for those for finish the Bible study exercise, but we have also another thing that we have done to help with people the Bible study exercise, is one of the things you're supposed to do in a topical study is once you've looked, compiled your list of all the references, we look up all the definitions and read each scripture and then try to put it in its context, then you're supposed to gather kind of the basic ideas you're learning from it, and then you're supposed to kind of create an outline of all the lessons, right? Well, we've kind of, I've been given the points, have I not, throughout all, all morning. If you compile all of those points, you can kind of create an outline of the things we've learned about rejoicing. For ten, so, a couple, so we'll just summarize today. This morning, I made the argument that since we're not finding the kind of rejoicing that says, I'm just going to rejoice in God for the spiritual things he's done for me. All of the rejoicing we looked at this morning and even tonight is more practical. So then I said, there is value in rejoicing in the practical. Because it makes us acknowledge God is the source of it. It gets our eyes off other, instead of focusing on what we don't have, want, can't have, we focus on what we do have and we appreciate it. So I said to write down five things. Come up with a list of five things that you have, that you possess, that you've got. Not, not spiritual, practical. And then try for the rest of this week to remember, just put, put, make a list somewhere and just try to think about and rejoice. Lord, I rejoice in this. I rejoice in this. I rejo- Now we know fi- we may rejoice for it at 9 a.m. and by 9.15 we're complaining about something else. But we're never going to be perfect at it because we have a sinful nature. And the sinful nature is never happy or content with anything. In fact, the sinful nature always wants something else. 
So we need to take the time to, to rejoice. So that's the first thing I've given. And then tonight, we've looked at really a couple of concepts. Worship, giving to the things of God, and sacrifice should be accompanied with rejoicing. And if our worship and our sacrifice and our giving is not filled with rejoicing, then that means there's a spiritual problem because we're doing it out of a burden. We're doing it out of a necessity. And that destroys the worship and the giving. And God doesn't want that, right? He doesn't want that. So we we always have to check ourselves to see, even when we're doing spiritual things, why are we doing it, right? Look, why we do something spiritual is just as important as what we're doing. And only, who knows the motivation of why we do it? God does. Because sometimes we don't even know. Right? There's been plenty of times where a guy starts going to church and he's going to church for a girl. Now he would tell you he's doing it for God. But then later on, it becomes a disaster for everyone involved. Right now, same thing for a girl, for a guy, but you get the idea. All right. All right. So there's that. The next thing we talked about is that if we trust in the Lord, that should bring rejoicing. God's word should produce rejoicing. Now I say should, because in some of these cases we don't, we could talk about the reasons why it doesn't, but it should. Right. Okay. And was there, was there one, was there any more that we, uh, any other, do I, oh, And we should rejoice in God's attributes. God's attributes should be a source of rejoicing. Now, we understand it could circle back for a practical reason, but at least I'm trying to move any spiritual things that I can. All right, there we go. The subject this week is rejoicing. So hopefully we'll give that much thought. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. As we conclude the third Sunday of Advent, Lord, we conclude with probably an acknowledgement that we don't rejoice for the right things and we typically rejoice for the wrong things. And many times we don't rejoice when we should and we complain and we grumble and we're discontented. Forgive us for our inappropriate way of handling rejoicing, but help us develop an attitude of rejoicing and the right things at the right time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...